You're listening to the Family Worship Center podcast with Pastor Noah L. Nicholson. At FWC, our mission is to be the church where the love of God is demonstrated freely by me. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at www.fwc-chicago.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. Come on, if you love Jesus, put your hands together and open up your mouth and give God glory today. Come on, if you believe that there is no God like our God, if you believe that he is the creator of the universe, he's the God of gods, he's the king of kings. Come on, we're not talking about your friend, we're not talking about your mother or your father, but we're talking about Jesus, come on, who has created us to be his, his own. Come on, open up your mouth and give God glory today. Come on, come on, come on. Use your mouth, use your tongue. Open up your mouth and shout hallelujah in the building if you love Jesus. God is definitely good and we find no fault in him. As you remain standing, I want you to find the hand of a neighbor. If you're not near a neighbor, I want you to get close enough so that you can grab someone's hand. And I want you to cross this middle aisle here. I want everybody to cross this middle aisle. If you're sitting near the middle aisle, I want you to cross the middle aisle. If you got to move from the end and they got to cross the aisles, I want everybody to cross the aisles, but I want everybody touching somebody. Everybody touching somebody. I believe that it is impossible for us to worship God in unity if we sit next to people and we don't even speak to them. I don't understand how people can speak in tongues, but you can't speak to your neighbor. And so I believe, I believe that in order for God to move, he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in the midst. And so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, because we're touching each other, the Lord is going to be in the midst of us. Some of you didn't say that like you mean it. I don't know about you, but I need God today. I need him for the rest of my life. Look at your other neighbor on the other side of you and say, neighbor, because we're touching each other, God is going to be in the midst of us. Now ask them a question. Say, can I pray for you today? I hope they answered you with a yes. If they didn't answer you with a yes, you need to find you another hand to hold. Look at somebody else and say, neighbor, can I pray for you today? I hope they answered you with a yes. Now we're getting ready to pray. You're getting ready to pray. You're getting ready to, oh, shamanda. I don't know if y'all feel that I feel God in here already. I feel God in here already. Y'all got to excuse me because when I feel God, I acknowledge his presence. God, we thank you. Now you're getting ready to pray for your neighbor, the hand that you hold. And I don't want you to pray some minute little pansy whamsy prayer. I want you to pray as if you're praying for yourself, as if you're praying for somebody in your family that is in dire need. Because I'm going to tell you this, you don't know what your neighbor has experienced before they got here. You don't know the hardship. You don't know the hell that they've been through before they got here. And you don't know what they're going to have to face when they leave. So I need you to pray for your neighbor with fervency and with power and authority. And I need you to speak the things of God in their life. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to begin to pray before I even start praying. I want you to open up your mouth and begin to pray. Come on, people of God, begin to pray for the hand that you hold. Come on, open up your mouth and begin to pray for the hand that you hold. Come on, come on, I can't hear you. Some of you pray too quiet. I want you to open up your mouth 
and let all hell hear you pray the things of the Lord upon your neighbor. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you glory. We give you honor. We bless your holy name because there is none like you and beside you there is no other God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are the mighty God. You are our Savior. It is in you that we live, in you that we move, in you that we have our being. And Father, we come to your throne not asking you because you're not a God, because you are a God that doesn't know what we need, but we come asking you because we already know that you know what we need. And Father, we pray for the hand that we hold, and we speak power into the hand that we hold. We speak deliverance into the hand that we hold. We speak, oh God, the blessings of the Lord that will make rich and add no sorrow. And we come against the plan of the enemy. We come against every one of his hindrances. We come against every one of his tactics. We come against every scheme, every plot. We come against every pitfall. And we pray that our neighbor will be saved. Our neighbor will be delivered. Our neighbor will be set free. Now loose the hand that you hold and put your hands together and open up your mouth and say, bless me, God. Bless my house. Bless my family. Bless my children. Save the folk on my job. Help me to stop cussing. Rebuke every addiction in your life. Come on, people of God. Open up your mouth and give them glory today. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, look at your neighbor and say, God wants to do something amazing today. I wish I had faith believers. I wish I had people who believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. Look at somebody as you sit down and say, God wants to do something amazing today. Hallelujah. We do give honor to the Lord God who is here he is here, and I know some of y'all feel him. I, I, I see it. I see it all over you. <laughs> God wants to do something. God wants to do something amazing today. And I'm just here as the, I'm just the pizza box. God is the pizza that fits in the box. That's all I am. I'm just the vase, the empty vase. I'm nothing without God. And so I honor him today because he is great and he's wonderful and he's holy and he's righteous. Come on, give God praise for our leader, suffragan Bishop Noah Nicholson II. Now, if he was here, you know you would clap better than that. I said, give God praise. I don't know if you all realize it or not, but we have one of the greatest pastors this side of heaven. I'm telling y'all, I have... I have been to many churches across the country, and I have not found a leader like our leader who loves people. So you got a lot of gifted folk, but they don't love people. They treat people nasty. They gossip about people, but our pastor, he loves people, and so we honor him in his absence. Give God praise for our assistant pastors. Come on. Elder Purdue and Elder Vincent Adams. Come on, give God praise for them. Give God praise for Lady Purdue in her absence. Give God praise. Come on. And while you're clapping, give God praise for Lady Adams who is here with us. Hallelujah. We give God great honor for our leaders. I'm not going to be before you long. I'm going to say what the Lord has to say, and I'm going to sit on down. 
because after the Lord finishes talking, there's no need for me to be up here. And so I want to give honor to my mother who is here. I give God honor to my mother. People ask me all the time when I go and I preach, they say, why do you always give honor to your mother? I say, well, I'm not married, so I got to give honor to somebody, so I give honor to my mother. I hope you have your Bibles today. I hope you came with the word of the Lord. I want you to grab your Bibles. And if you're sitting near or next to someone who doesn't have their Bible, I want you to be as kind and gentle and share your word with them. If there's anybody around you who doesn't have their Bible, I want you to be as kind and gentle and share your word with them. Now, when you have your Bible, I want you to lift your word up in the air for me. Let me see. Raise it high. 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 Now, I want everyone to take note of everyone who lifted up their Bibles. Come on. Keep it up. Keep it up. Now, I want you to look around. I want everybody to look around. Look at the people sitting next to you and around you. And I want you to take note of everybody who has an electronic device. I want you to look if they got a phone, an iPad, a tablet. And I want you, you can put them down now. I want you to be, I want you to be the electronic device police today. And I want you to make sure that every time they're on that electronic device that they're actually reading the word or taking notes. I want you to make sure they're not on Facebook, they're not updating their Instagram page or on Twitter unless they're saying something that the Lord has spoken to them, all right? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be looking at you. Some of y'all scared of y'all neighbor. I said, look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be looking at you. All right, your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, and I'm going to ask if everyone would stand. I know it's not our custom. I know it's not our custom, but I'm going to ask you to stand. I believe that we should reverence God's word. And then I believe some people, they hear it with more authority when they're standing up. So I want you to stand as we read Proverbs chapter 31, Verse 30, when you got it, say, I got it, preacher. All right, now let me help you out a little bit because many of you, some of you have never heard me preach before. You don't know who I am in the role of a minister, in the role of a preacher. So when I ask you a question, I want you to holler back at me. I'm one of them holler at you preachers. I need, I need a talk back church today. So when I ask you a question, I don't want you to talk like you're in a library or like this is a Lutheran church because this is an apostolic church and we serve a God who is risen. He is not dead. And so because we serve a risen Savior, I believe that when we speak back, we got to speak back with power and authority. So when I ask you a question, I need you to holler back at me, all right? When you have Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30, holler back at me and say, I got it, preacher. There you go. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is pointless. It, it transitions, it fades away. But a woman or a man that feareth the Lord, he or she shall be praised. One more verse of scripture. Turn to St. John. That's a New Testament scripture. St. John chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 23. 
St. John chapter 4, verse 23. If you can't find it, bump your neighbor and say, help me out a little bit. St. John chapter 4, verse 23. When you have it, holler back at me and say, I got it, preacher. Some of y'all don't forget. We just talked about this, y'all. We just talked about this. When you have St. John chapter 4, verse 23, holler back and say, I got it, preacher. The word of the Lord reads as follows. But the hour cometh. And now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Let's go to verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Everybody say spirit and in truth. I want you to very quickly relay my message title to your neighbor, and I don't want you to whisper at them. I want you to talk to them as if you're talking to them like you know what's coming out of your mouth. I want you to say, neighbor, the Lord is looking for a beautiful worshiper. Look at somebody else around you and say, neighbor, the Lord is looking for a beautiful worshiper. You may take your seats. The Lord is looking for a beautiful worshiper. Here we find ourselves in one of the greatest books of the Bible. Proverbs is counted one of five books in the poetry and wisdom subject heading of the Old Testament. The other four amongst it are Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Its writing style is like none before it, which is what makes Proverbs so unique. It is here in the 20th book of the Bible where we introduce we are introduced, rather, to a new way of writing. Uh, Proverbs consist of short sentences which contain their whole design within themselves. And it is not connected with the previous scripture or the scripture that follows. Uh, uh, Proverbs is unlike Psalms. It's unlike the psalmist who wrote uh, Psalms who devote entire chapters to a particular thought or idea. Uh, Proverbs 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth much fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, it shall 
prosper. Therefore, the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so Proverbs is not like that. Proverbs doesn't complete an entire idea in its entire chapter, but Proverbs takes individual verses and it completes an entire thought in that verse. Uh, when, when we study it, we find that there is quite a bit of controversy concerning the author of Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, some theologians believe that King Solomon wrote it and was known and acknowledged by what we call a nickname. Everybody say a nickname. And so theologians believe that King Solomon wrote it, but they just called him by a nickname. And the reason why they believe this is because of its similarity in writing style to the other chapters in Proverbs. But then you have those who are on the other side, and they believe that a new author has been introduced to us, and his name and the penman is Lemuel. Everybody say Lemuel. But for debating purposes today, and because I'm the one with the mic, we're going to say that King Solomon is the penman of Proverbs chapter 31. And with that being said, this book of poetry and wisdom was written by the wisest man in the world of yesterday. He is the wisest man in the world of today, and he is the wisest man in the world of tomorrow. According to 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 12, the Lord told King Solomon, I have done according to thy words. He said, Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, and neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. It is this great man that the Lord appeared to in a dream. Which, if you study a word, if you study the word of the Lord, we find that this is out of the ordinary during this time because it was the occupation of the prophet to relay what thus saith the Lord to the king for the kingdom and for his house. I'm going to say it again. It is this penman, King Solomon, that God appears to in a dream, which is out of the ordinary because God doesn't appear to the king. God normally appears to the prophet and he sends the prophet to the king to say, this is what's getting ready to happen for the kingdom and for your house. And then God had the nerve to ask Solomon. He said, ask what I shall give thee. Talk about a position of favor. Talk about a position of high esteem. The God of all the earth, the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars, the moon, and the sun on nothing, the one who hung the world on nothing and then tilted it to turn it on its axis. And it's not being held by strings. It's not being held by somebody's hand. It is the God who created the sky, the birds, and the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. It is the God who created the dog to bark and the chickens to cluck and the birds to sing. It is this great God who is from 
everlasting to everlasting. This great God who has no beginning and he has no ending. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is El Elyon. He is Elohim and there is none like him. He's all powerful. He's mighty. On a bad day he's good. On a good day he's good. When everybody is acting up and acting crazy and everybody done cussed you out, God is still God. And he sits on the throne and he rules and he reigns everything. It is the sovereign God and magnificent savior that visits Solomon and says, what do you want me to give you? I want you to think about that for just a second. I want you to think about God visiting you in your dream and asking you, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want me to do for you? What is it that you want to ask me? You know what? Never mind. Don't answer that because some of you are too carnal minded to, for God to ask you for anything. Some of you will be up in there talking about God I want a house and Lord I just want to pay my bills and Lord I want a car and I want new clothes and new shoes. Some of you too ghetto minded for God to come to you and ask you what it is that you want. So I don't even want you to ask that. I don't even want you to think about or answer that question. And the reason I know this is because many of us we go into prayer and we got our grocery list. We got everything we want God to do. Lord save my kids. Do every do all of this. But you ain't got no time to thank him. As much as God has done for you already. You mean to tell me you will go into the presence of the king of kings and the lord of lords and you will disrespect his sovereignty by telling him what you want and what you need. You mean you can't honor God? You can't reverence him? And that's how many of us go into his presence and we got all this stuff we want him to do. Look at your neighbor and say neighbor it's time for us to honor God. It takes just a little bit of study to come to find that the passages in 1 Kings chapter 3 mirrors that of 2 Chronicles chapter 1. And theologians call them synonymical passages because they are identical in their words. For in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible declares moreover the brazen altar that Bezalel the son of Uri the son of Hur had made he put before the tabernacle of the Lord and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it everybody say sought unto it some of y'all talking too quietly I already told you this is not a funeral home and stop whispering at me I said everybody open up your mouth and shout sought unto it that word sought literally means to frequent in worship and this is where it gets interesting to me because the Lord didn't appear unto Solomon until after he offered up a thousand burnt offerings or worship let me say that again because some of you may be on a short bus it is not until after 
Solomon offered up a thousand burnt offerings or he worshiped before the Lord appeared unto him. Let me parenthetically digress and say that we spend too little time worshiping God. That is in our services and in our personal time. We have time for everything and everybody else, but we never have time to worship God. We insert extra time to dance. You know, churches, especially if it's a black culture, all they want to do is dance all night and they want to dance in circles and have partners and we put extra time to dance and shout and there's nothing wrong with that but when do we take just a moment to worship God everything in our services have a place the choir has a place there's a place for the choir to sing there's a place for the offering there's a place for the announcements and then we even have praise teams that are supposed to help us to worship but instead of leading us into worship they spend all of their time showing off how well they can sing and how good they outfits are put together look at your neighbor and say not at this church not at this church it's the church down the street and then when we get home we spend hours talking on the phone running our mouth about nothing and many times we running other folk down we own the helophone that's what they used to call it when I was younger and we hanging out at Applebee's we having secret meetings about this that one and the other and about what we not gonna do and about I know I know Bishop said fast but I ain't fasting honey meet me at Applebee's and we got all this time to be on social media many of you scroll through your news feed for hours upon hours upon hours looking at and worried about what everybody else is doing and what everybody else is wearing and then you're posting your pictures on Facebook and on Instagram and you're putting everything everybody know what you're doing everybody know where you're going when you're going how long you're gonna be there everybody know who you with because you put it on Facebook and then you got the nerve to tag everybody that you with in it but you ain't got no time to worship God this generation I don't understand this church today that we can find time for everything else but we can't find time to worship God and then when we come to God we want to tell him what's going on in our lives and we want to tell him what we need and what I need you to do because Johnny acting up and my husband is crazy the reason why your husband is crazy is because you're not on your I guarantee you if you would get on your knees, Johnny would get himself together. Your husband would act right. The folk on your job would honor you because the God in me has tapped into the presence. Somebody open up your mouth and shout, Lord, help me to worship. Help me, Kandishoto, Yesiah. Help me 
to worship. Help me to worship. And when I was in prayer, as a matter of fact, the Lord has been dealing with me for almost two years now on worship. And the Lord said, I'm waiting for a people that will come to me saying, God, I didn't even want nothing. I ain't got no list for you. I just came to tell you, you're wonderful. God, I didn't come to ask you for nothing. I just came to tell you that you're mighty. I didn't come to ask you for anything. I just came to tell you that I'm desperate for you. I didn't come to ask you for nothing, Jesus. I ain't got no list for you. I just came to tell you that I need you. And not only do I need you, but I want you. I want your glory to be revealed in me. I want people to see me in Walmart and look at me and say, you know God, don't you? God is looking for people that will come to him and offer up sacrificial worship. Somebody open up your mouth and say sacrificial worship. Hence the word. Don't push me, John. I ain't there yet. Hence the word. Be seated, please. The person sitting behind you can't see. Uh-huh. And so hence the word. Sacrificial worship. Hence the word. Sacrificial worship. Hence the word. Sacrificial worship. What are you saying, preacher? Sacrificial means it costs you something. It means you gave something up to seek God. It means you went after God and you left something behind you. It's not worship if it didn't cost you nothing. Many of us, we have amounted our sleep to be more precious than the moments with our Savior. What you talking about, preacher? There are many times when the Lord, he taps us on the shoulder at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. And we turn over and say, uh-uh, God, I got to work in the morning. There are times when God taps us on the shoulder and he says, come seek me. I want to play hide and seek. I love playing hide and seek with God. I will wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I say, God, where are you? I can't find you. Where you at, Jesus? I'll spend three hours saying, God, where you at? I can't find you. And then God pops out and I say, yes, God, there you are. And then he hides himself again. Uh-huh. But I want to tell you that it's not sacrificial if you don't wake up in the morning when he taps you on the shoulder. Because see, some of you, you're so worried about going to sleep. And what you don't understand is that God created our bodies. And so he knows how much sleep you need. But I would rather have the God who created me than to fall asleep and turn over. Because God knows exactly what I need. He knows that later in the day you're going to lose your job. And the devil wants you to lose your mind. But if you come to me and seek me, you ain't going to lose your mind. The Lord knows that your marriage is going to fall apart. And the devil wants you to go crazy. But if you seek me, you won't go crazy. I wish I had real believers in here. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what did you give up to worship? 
I want to tell you today, not the more, the greater the cost, the greater the visitation, the more it costs you, the more he answers you, the more times, the earlier you get up in the morning, the more God will answer you, the greater it costs you, the greater the visitation. I hope you find time to worship today. I hope you find time before the day ends and the sun rises in the morning to worship God today. Lay your hands on yourself and say, Lord, help me to worship you. Back in our text, and I'm almost finished, Proverbs chapter 31, verses 1 through 9, are an exhortation from a mother to her son. Her son is a young prince, and he, she is, she's warning him to take heed of the sins he would be tempted to commit. Because I want you to know, I don't care if you've been saved for 15 years. The enemy is bringing something because you're drawn away and enticed by the lust that's in you. And so it don't matter if you've been saved for five seconds or five years. The enemy is bringing something to you to tip you to fall from grace. And so the mother of Solomon sends him a warning in verses 1 through 9. And the description found in the remaining verses could serve as a dual purpose an instruction it can be an instruction to her daughters or as a direction to her son in the choice of a wife let me say right here brothers you better be real careful who you decide to marry because if she disrespects you before you marry her she's going to disrespect you after you marry her let me say to you brothers you better be careful who you choose your wife to be because if she ain't praying now she ain't gonna pray then you better be real careful who you choose your wife to be because if she got a whole lot of mouth now her mouth ain't gonna do nothing but get worse as the years go by and so Solomon's mother she sends him warning about who you are going to choose as a wife and so she tells him that a virtuous woman and I'm not just talking to the women today I'm talking to the men too a virtuous person must be chaste and modest diligent and frugal dutiful to her husband or his wife careful of his or her family and discreet in his or her discourse and in the education of their children and all of the details concerning a virtuous person are messages within themselves and so because we ain't got enough time to go through each and every one of them we're gonna deal with the one that is most pertinent and so we'll briefly inspect the one that champions the rest and that is his or her consistent pursuance of God for the Bible declares favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a man or a woman that feareth the Lord he or she shall be praised and the ideal for beauty in today's society has been jacked up misrepresented and debunked if you ask the average 
average woman or the average teenage female of today, they would tell you that beauty is defined by how much money you spent on your hairstyle, how much money you spent on your shoes, how much did your outfit cost, what kind of car are you driving, and if you don't have that and if your outfit ain't revealing everything that you got up under it, then you ain't that beautiful. And the nauseating and baffling part about it, and what upsets me, is that this demon done crept up in the church, and so the world is confused and doesn't know where to turn because the church is now defining her standards based on the world's description. Uh-huh. This is why we got a sanctuary. I know I'm going to mess with some folk right up in here, but I don't even care. I know we got a sanctuary all across the country of men and women calling themselves sexy divas, not even being aware that the hand of the enemy is behind it. The hand of the enemy has been in it all along. I want to tell you whether you want to hear it or not today. I'm going to speak what the Lord told me to speak. God only honors our sexuality within the confines of marriage. I'm going to say it again. I don't care if you don't want to hear it. God only honors our sexuality in the confines of marriage. If you ain't married, you ain't got no business being sexy. I don't care what your outfit looks like. I don't care how high your shoes are. I don't care who told you you work in your outfit. If you're not married, you ain't got no business being sexy. Which means a woman's sexiness should only be revealed when she is married. And her husband, her husband is the only one that should see her sexiness. Uh-huh. I didn't leave the men out. Men of God, mighty men of valor. Ain't no reason for you to be showing your biceps and triceps. There's no reason for your pants to be so tight that we're looking at your package. Because you should only be showing your sexuality in the confines of marriage. I wish I had people in here that would holler back at me and say, you better preach that. Too late, I'm already preaching it. And so I came to tell somebody that we need to do some real research instead of walking around saying what everybody else is saying. And we listening to Beyonce and Rihanna and they tell, calling themselves divas. We looking at everybody else calling themselves divas and we're just repeating it because it sounds good to our ears. But we need to do some research. And I'm beginning to ask the Lord the question. I said, Lord, why is it that when we come into your house, it looks like we didn't came up in a pornography gathering because everybody's showing everything and everybody is revealing everything and everybody got everything showing. I said, God, what's going on with this? I said, what is this spirit that done crept up in the church? And then the Lord began to cause me to do some research and the word D its original word is devas and its definition is demons and they are elements 
elemental spirits used mostly in witchcraft and other occult rituals. And so we walking around here calling each other demons. We around here calling each other a term that witches and warlocks use. And the Lord constantly over and over and over again commands us and his people to come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and I will receive you you wondering why you can't find God it's cause you're mingling and you're dabbling and you're touching the unclean thing but God is looking for a people that will call themselves what he calls us and you'll find nowhere in the word of God where God refers to us as divas well what does he say about us I'm so glad you ask me we are the righteousness of God we are his people and the sheep of his pasture we are his workmanship we we are more than conquerors we are the precious craftiness of the Lord God Almighty he calls us a chosen generation he he calls us a royal priesthood. Jesus, he is our God. And he calls us a holy nation. He calls us a peculiar people. Not so that you can show off your sexiness, but so that we can show off the praises of him who has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are created in his image and after his likeness. We are his representatives in the earth realm. So when people look at us, they ought to see God in us. When people look at us, they shouldn't be looking at our hips. They shouldn't be looking at our dips. We are to represent Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Favor, it is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but in order to be a virtuous person of authenticity, we must be one that worships. I said in order for us to be a virtuous person of authenticity, we must be one that worships. That word feareth in the text is defined as a worship. Worship is 
virtuosity, true beauty is found in worship. Listen to me, young ladies. You want to be noticed. You want to be pretty. You want to be gorgeous. Cover yourself up and worship. Young men, you want to be at the top of your game. You want to be noticed. You want people to like you. Show up. Guard your masculinity. Stop objectifying women and worship. It doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. If you're inwardly not connected with him, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he's looking at your heart. And for some of you, you sitting out there today and you got all kind of unforgiveness. You got malice. You got jealousy. You got envy. You full of strife and full of gossip and full of confusion. But you come in here and you're speaking all kind of tongues and you got your hands waving and you got your mouth open. But God is looking at your heart and he he said I'm not receiving that junk the father is seeking for those that are beautiful on the inside worship it 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 causes you to see you how God sees you you got folk in your ear telling you you're awesome telling you you're powerful telling you you're anointed but when you go into worship worship causes you to see yourself how God is looking at you in worship God brings a mirror and in the mirror is Jesus Christ and when you look in the mirror if you don't look like Jesus the Lord say that's jacked up you gotta fix that you stink in my nostrils and so he's so busy wrapped up on what people say but I want to ask you the question what does God say about you how do you look to the Lord God Almighty and before let's go Josh let's go everybody it's time to go home because a lot of them ain't listen to me anyway uh-huh and so before worship before worship before worship you hate your enemy but after worship you love your enemy oh I came to tell you that in worship God makes you get rid of that nasty attitude in worship God makes you get rid of that filthy spirit in worship you love or whether before worship you curse those that curse you but after worship you bless those who curse you before worship everybody is getting on your nerves and you gossip about those who despitefully use you but after worship you pray for those who 
despitefully use you. Look at your neighbor because you're tired of looking at me and say, neighbor, don't get it twisted. We're not divas. We're worshipers. And some of you sitting out there with your disobedient self. I said, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't get it twisted. We're not divas. We're worshipers. And if you believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, open up your mouth. Put your hands together and shout, Lord, help me to wash. Thanks for listening to Family Worship Center Podcast with Pastor Noah L. Nicholson. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, fwc-chicago.org, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Join us next time for another edition of the Family Worship Center podcast.